Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by La Mega KC, Kansas City Spanish radio station. Listen online or at 100.5 FM. We're also sponsored by our friends at 1KC Radio. Listen at 100.1 in the KC Metro or online at 1kcradio.org. Where do working dogs end up after they serve with soldiers and first responders? Not always where do you think. We talk with Law Bryan of Mission Canine Rescue about their work making sure these dogs get a great retirement. Coming up on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Sierra Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro. Welcome indeed to the program. We're coming to you from the busiest building ever, our headquarters at 59th and Troost here in KCMO. We're a nonprofit whose goal is to keep pets and people together through supportive services. Sierra. Yes. You have something to say to the audience? I do, and it's not going to be easy, but unfortunately, I did put in my notice. Mm -hmm. I'm on to my next adventure, so this will be my last episode, and it makes me really sad, but I promise to come back and volunteer, Mm -hmm. and obviously, I'll like text you, but I can't text our listeners, No, but... um, it's not an easy decision at all. I'm going to miss everybody. That includes staff, volunteers, our clients, their pets, but I'll be around. Yeah. Maybe maybe you can have me on the podcast as a guest. That would be awesome. That would be really awesome. We should do that. Okay, let's do okay. that. Okay. I feel less sad. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> Sierra's moving on to Harvesters, so there's, there's definitely potential there for uh, us to have a special guest. Okay. Exactly, and it's it's still rewarding work mm-hmm. because it's in the nonprofit and right. working with people who need assistance feeding their families. So similar to what we do here with our pet food pantry. So exactly. Well, let me say that it's been wonderful to work with you, and it's been wonderful to do this show with you. Thank you. I feel the same. So. Well, all right. Enough of that sappy stuff. I know. I know. We need to move on. Please. <laughs> Let's go do some pet news. First up, story of an Australian shepherd named Seamus, California floodwaters, and an Apple AirTag. Seamus got away from his owner, Emily, during his daily walk and got to the edge of a flood control basin in San Bernardino, California. Quote, he got away from me and he just went down into the drainage and, you know, the water was going so fast, I think all it took was one paw in that water and he was gone, said Emily. She called emergency services and crews arrived on the scene to start canvassing the area but were flagged down by a local RV facility employee that heard a dog in the channel and then saw him floating down the channel and followed him until he lost visual contact. Seamus ended up in an access tube adjacent to the river. Thanks to an Apple AirTag, firefighters located a sewer drain and found the sweet boy relatively unharmed. Once they determined that he was okay, he was reunited with Emily in short order. Okay, not going to lie. I held my breath during this story because I couldn't imagine being in her shoes. I would literally, I'm sure like adrenaline would kick in and you would know what to do, but part of me would just want to curl up in a ball. Yeah. Just like what, where did he go? What happened? Like, I don't believe this. Mm -hmm. Like that must be just terrifying. And thanks to, you know, I, I like the idea of the Apple AirTag. Um, 
and maybe something a little similar to that, maybe that can be used um, pet specifically. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's safe. Yeah, he's safe. He's good. He's with Emily. Everybody's happy. Um, but yeah, definitely giving mad props to the stranger. That what is it? An RV employee? Yeah, the RV who facility followed employee. him. Yeah, who was like, I see him. I'm going to follow him as far as I can. Yeah. So good story. Mm-hmm. But here we go again with a, some more sap for you all. And I'm sorry, <laughs> but I promise there's a happy ending. So on January 24th, McCamey Animal Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee, took to social, social media in hopes to reunite a German shepherd named Lilo with her owner. The single mother with two kids was battling homelessness and could no longer afford to take care of Lilo. So she left a note attached to her collar explaining that she loved her very much, but decided to give Lilo up so that another family could take better care of her. McCamey Animal Center was determined to reunite the family and help with whatever resources they needed to keep the family together and without judgment. So they took to social media to find Lilo's family. Their post read, A note to Lilo's mom. Lilo arrived at Mac a few days ago after a good Samaritan found her wandering with her leash still attached, likely near where you left her. We are so sorry that you had to make the decision decision to leave her behind. We know how many folks are struggling to care for their pets right now. We know how hard it must be to give up an animal you so clearly love because you can't provide the care she needs. We understand. We want you to know she is safe and we will take the best care of her. She will be loved by our staff and volunteers. We will keep her name and we promise you we will do our best to find her a wonderful new home. But if you're reading this, we hope you will come forward to reclaim her. We will help you with whatever you need to care for her to the best of our ability. Lilo definitely misses you, and we would like nothing more than to see her go back to a family she loves. Either way, please know that we understand, we will not judge, and we are here to help in any way we can. So that was their post, and the following day, Lilo's mom felt comfortable enough to reach out to the shelter, and Mac shared that the two had been reunited by posting a photo of them embracing one another. In the replies, Facebook users applauded the shelter for supporting Lilo's mom and understanding her struggles. So we at Pet Resource Center say, job well done. Yeah, absolutely. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing that they did. I know, and I'm just baffled because we work Mm -hmm. in communications. Mm -hmm. And this, I just really appreciate the gesture. Yeah. Because they could have told this story so many ways. Yep. But to reach out, to write it for her mom was very sweet. Yeah. Agreed. Um, So that's a nice little, I'm glad that that's your pet news. That's a real good one. Okay. Well, how about this? Why don't we go talk to Bob Bryant from Mission Canine Rescue? Working dogs spend the majority of their lives in the line of duty carrying out important tasks just like any other team member. But when it comes time for them to retire, that transition can be a little difficult and uncertain. That's why we have Bob Bryant from Mission Canine Rescue with us here to talk about the rescue, rehabilitation, and rehoming of working dogs in America. Bob, thank you so much for being on Pet Resource Radio today. You're welcome, and thank you for the invitation. It's always good to get out there and speak to people that haven't heard about us. Could you start by introducing yourself and telling us what you do at Mission Canine Rescue? 
Sure, be glad to. My name is Bob Bryant. Uh, I am a co-founder of Mission Canine Rescue. We've been in operation as a 501c3 nonprofit for 10 years now. My technical title is Chief Technology Officer. That means king of nothing in real language. <laughs> in, in, in reality, uh, I'm tasked with our development uh, and raising the funds that we need to do our work uh, throughout the years. And I take care of our uh, social media followings and uh, do any advertising that are related to it. And I also uh, bring a dog home from time to time. Uh, right. Yesterday, I picked up picked up two dogs from Japan that uh, came in with a handler at uh, Los Angeles International Airport. And these dogs are going to be going to Texas and then to their handlers from there. Oh, wow. So that's kind of that's kind of what I do. And so are you based out of Texas, right? I split my time. My organization is based in Houston, Texas. Actually, uh, our facility is in Magnolia. I split my time between there and Thousand Oaks, California. We have uh, large support out here. We also have military bases down at uh, Coronado Island uh, in San Diego, Camp Pendleton, uh, where we get a lot of dogs from. So it's beneficial to be in this area as well as in Texas. Yeah. And so let's start by talking about the different types of working dogs. Where are they typically in service and what kind of work do they do? Okay. There's several work. There, there's several uh, places that we'll get working dogs from. Uh, predominantly, most people, when they think of working dogs, think of military working dogs. These are dogs that are owned and trained and bred by the military. They are uh, sent to the various uh, entities within the military, Navy, uh, Air Force, Marines, Army, uh, Customs and Border Patrol, not really, that's not military, but uh, also Coast Guard. I'm kind of messed up there. Uh, these dogs uh, will serve with soldiers on the uh, various operating fronts where we have different bases, uh, different action that uh, troops may be involved in. They're involved in the detection of explosives in patrol to keep their handlers safe, to neutralize attackers, and some of them also search for various drugs in areas where the focus of the mission is to get rid of drug traffickers. Uh, with uh, Also, contract working dogs represent the second most common type we'll see. Their training is basically the same as military working dogs, only they're not owned by the military, they're owned by private entities. And that gets into a problem when contractors run out of money, because when they do, the dogs, unfortunately, are the first to feel the brunt of that, even yeah. uh, either from lack of veterinary care, poor quality nutrition, or being kenneled far too long. Mm -hmm. uh, we, have, uh, we have other dogs that serve the Customs and Border Protection Bureau uh, down at the border. Uh, they do anything from uh, drug sniffing to the search for those that would attempt to enter uh, illegally. And uh, also many other dogs, probably one of the smallest working dogs we see is a Jack Russell Terrier uh, that works for the military. Can you imagine where that Jack Russell searches? No, I don't. I mean, submarines. Places. Wow. Yeah, I was going to think somewhere yeah. small, but not underwater. So. Yeah, they go they go in the subs and they check for drugs and things. When the jack comes on board, sailors get nervous. So hopefully yeah. he doesn't find anything. <laughs> 
And so when it's time for them to retire, where do they end up? Is it pretty difficult for them to find forever homes? Uh, not technically, no. Uh, the, the problem is often getting them back more than finding them a good home. Military working dogs can have as many as five handlers in their time of service. Normally, the first handler has the first choice, but in reality, generally the last handler is the one that winds up adopting the dog unless there are problems at home or continued service in the military that preclude the dog's adoption. We'll get calls from handlers all over the world when their dogs are ready to retire, just like the ones from Japan the other day. You know, we've got two dogs. We need to get them home from Japan. You know, I can't afford it. Uh, the reason I say they say they can't afford it is because the military does not pay for transport for working dogs home when they retire. In 2016, President Obama signed a portion of the uh, National Defense Authorization Act that included within it a clause for the military to return dogs retired abroad on their own dime to get them back here. And the military operated around that by considering forward operating bases American soil, wherever it was. They've taken a better stance since then, and we've actually had some good luck with them putting dogs on military rotator flights to transport, uh, transport personnel and equipment home from abroad. So the burden is less. However, we still have the cost of stateside transportation to wherever their handlers might be once they get here. Contract working dogs uh, don't get in, don't get free rides home, and we will often be contacted by the contractors themselves and say, "Hey, you know, we've got five dogs over here. You know, if you want them, you need to get them home. Otherwise, you know, we may have to euthanize them." And that's kind of threat language. We don't generally respond too well to that, but we try our best to make friends with these contractors that will otherwise, you know, put an end to their dogs and instead get them back here the, the best way possible so that we can get them a good home. For sure. And so given the high intensity environments these dogs often live and work for in for their entire lives, what kind of rehabilitation is necessary to help them learn how to settle down and enjoy life as a regular pet? Normally, just some decompression time. Uh, we have a facility, our veteran canine ranch in Magnolia, Texas, where dogs come when they're first brought in. They are circulated in and out of our ranch house where they learn uh, where they're potty trained, where they you know learn to go out when they need to go. Uh, they are given treats. They're given lots of attention. Uh, they are taught that they're a love member of the family and that they don't have to chase the bad guy anymore. They don't have to look for drugs or bombs. They can just be a dog. Also, in many cases, we have medical conditions that have to be considered, and we spare no expense to provide our dogs with the veterinary care they need so that they can successfully uh, come out of retirement into homes and just kind of be a pet again. In many cases, it's just interaction with, uh, with our ranch hands that help the dogs to get out of their shell. We also learn how they react around other dogs, around cats, uh, maybe any weird quirks they have if they're aggressive while they're in their crate or if they're startled. Uh, just lots of things that can come into play to uh, rehabilitate them. But uh, generally, uh, we achieve about a 90% success rate with every dog we come in as far as making them ready for adoption. 
Wonderful. And then do you have any success stories that you would like to share? Oh, there's so many of them I could go I into. <laughs> uh, prob- probably one of the best ones that people can see if they'd like to look at it. Uh, AARP did a piece on a reunion between Angela Neal and uh, her military working dog, Zoltan. Uh, you can go on YouTube and you can find that. She hadn't seen Zoltan in about three years. She heard he was going to retire. And we were able to work through their kennel masters, get him home from abroad. I'm not, I don't recall exactly where he was. I think it was either Korea or maybe Turkey. I'm not certain. I'd have to look at it again. There's so many of them. But they had the most beautiful reunion. Uh, he remembered her. He was affectionate toward her. And she was delighted that he would be able to spend his retirement years in her care. They're, they're really bonded, and it's a great story if you haven't had a chance to see it. Those videos always make me cry. It's just, <laughs> I couldn't even imagine being in that moment, you know. So is there anything that you wish people understood better about the needs of retired working dogs? Yes, I do. That is, this is basically for people that have the desire to adopt a working dog. Most people have no idea the amount of drive these dogs still have at nine, 10 years old. And they think that they can just come in, put them on the couch and go to work all day and forget about them and they'll be fine. And instead they come home and they don't have a couch anymore because the dog's gotten bored and eaten it. Uh, uh, these dogs will often ingest toys. They'll swallow things they shouldn't. I had a Belgian Malinois that if you left a washcloth or a rag around the house, it was in his belly before the day was over. Mm -hmm. And we were just lucky that he didn't have to have surgery to get any of these things out. And he was maliciously sneaky about getting anything that he wanted to eat when we weren't around. And I have no idea how he got a hold of some of the things he did, but he was a great dog. We see a lot of foreign bodies um, cases here at Pet Resource Center now that we've opened an urgent care. And it's just, I mean, dogs are going to do those types of things. So I, I think it's really important and agree with, agree with you in the, in the aspect that you got to keep them busy. And especially for these working dogs who are used to having a task every day of their life. That's a, definitely a, a hard uh, They transition. need a job. Yes. Yeah, they need a job. They need something to do. And a lot. And while we do not allow our retired dogs to be worked in any capacity, because they are just that, they're retired, uh, there's nothing wrong with them learning new scents, with them looking for things. Uh, I have a retired German shepherd named Navy. He's from uh, a small police department in a city outside of Quebec called Longuet. Uh, Navy has learned how to find, he can find tennis balls with tennis balls in his mouth. Uh, he found 19 buried in bushes around the oh tennis court gosh. one day. It was just a delight to watch him do it. I had a Labrador retriever named military working dog, Oreo. Oreo learned the smell of the crossballs. He found over 200 buried in a park one summer, just one by one. And it, you could see the delight when he'd get on the sense you knew he had something. Another thing I'd really like to tell your audience about, uh, these retired dogs is that anyone that wants to adopt needs to keep in mind that senior vet care is not inexpensive yet. These dogs have to have it mm-hmm. and we will not adopt to those people that either will not or cannot afford it. And it's not a prejudicial thing. It's just, well, we want the best for our dogs thing. Also there 
likely to not be friendly to other dogs or cats. Now, I'm lucky. My dog, Navy, he's in love with our cat. My cat's in love with him. He'll walk by and uh, slap the dog, and the dog won't do anything about it. So that's a good thing. Uh, not all dogs will do that. And while we test, uh, we find that most people that want to adopt have multiple pets. And we really love to see some uh, no-pet parent households that would like to adopt these dogs. Because at any one time, we have around 40 that are available for adoption to the right situation from our facility. And then if someone would like to learn more information about Mission Canine Rescue, where can they go? Uh, to see the latest and the most frequent updates, they can visit our Facebook page, which is Mission, the letter K, the number nine. And our website is MissionK9Rescue.org. We're also on Instagram as well under Mission K9. We don't generally mess with Twitter a lot as I find it borderline useless for getting any real information out. All righty. Well, thank you, Bob, so much for being on the show today. Um, we all here respect the work that you all do. You know, our mission is to keep pets and people together. And so to think that, you know, there are some retiree dogs out there who, who need um, some, some more TLC to find that perfect fit. Um, we really appreciate you going above and beyond for them. You're welcome. We love what we do. And one thing I'd like your audience to know is that as a nonprofit, 92 cents out of every dollar received goes toward the work. We really are no profit. We don't waste money. We don't ride in leather chairs. We don't go first class. We don't stay in five-star hotels. We've got two hardworking co-founders, Louisa Kastner and Kristen Maurer, our president, that drive these dogs across the country in rental vans. Half the time, they'll sleep in rest areas with the dogs. They don't stay in hotels. So they walk the walk, and we put our donors' money to very good work, and we're never wasted. Thank you for having us on your show today, and we really appreciate you getting the word out, and we hope that uh, we can do anything else for you that you'll give us a shout. Of course. Thank you. And um, we'll make sure to put your your website in our show notes so that if folks want to support Mission K9, they can just go directly there and make a donation. So thank you again, Bob. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Pets can get urinary tract infections just like humans, but unlike humans, they can't talk about it. So we've got our chief vet, Dr. Malia Washington, with us to talk about it for them. Dr. Washington, how's it going? It is great. So what causes a UTI? So urinary tract infections in dogs and cats typically start with a change in the pH of their urine. Um, many of the prescription diets keep the pH at a really happy level to prevent bacteria and other organisms from, from forming. So the cause of the UTI is typically an initial change in pH. And that is typically followed by um, infiltration of bacteria. So female dogs, just like female humans, are much more likely to get bacterial infiltrates coming in through the urethra. Mm -hmm. Males, less common, but it definitely does still happen. Um, but that initial pH is really the biggest problem. So what kinds of things can cause a UTI? So very commonly, actually, what 
owners don't understand and see often is stress. Mm. So when dogs get boarded, if you go out of town, if anything in their normal structure of their day, cats and dogs both, and they feel stress, we see it often with urinary tract infections, ear infections, and diarrhea. Um, so if your pet tends to have a hard time with uh, urinary tract health, stressful situations can actually exacerbate that a great deal. Um, Increased occurrences in dogs versus cats. Cats actually, I think, are probably more common in having urinary issues. Um, maybe not necessarily classic urinary tract infections, but they definitely have issues with inflammation of the bladder and urethra that cause them a lot of problems. What are some common symptoms? The most common thing we're going to see or that I will hear owners complain of is that their dog is urinating more frequently. Sometimes this happens with or without drinking more. It depends a lot on the animal. Um, cats really commonly will urinate outside of their litter box, right. having accidents maybe on your laundry or, or right around the litter box or behind the couch or in really weird places where they wouldn't normally go. Um, any change in their urinary behavior can be um, an indicator that something is wrong and we should take a look at your pet. So how urgent is a UTI? I would say the vast majority of urinary tract infections are not emergencies. With also keep in mind that mm. male cats are they are always the one that we worry about the most. Male cats tend to have a a smaller circumference essentially of their urethra compared to um, a female cat or even a dog. And any inflammation, um, whether it's because of an infection or bladder stones or crystals, tends to really prevent that pet from urinating, urinating properly. And when they feel the need to urinate more, the inflammation gets worse. So our male cats... I would love to see those in as soon as they start to do anything strange urinary-wise. Right. Um, blood in the urine is also something that I would think would be put to the top of my list that might be a little bit more worrisome because that could indicate that your pet has bladder stones. Humans really love to get kidney stones. Um, my dad could probably attest to that, mm -hmm. poor guy. But at the same time, they... Animals can get kidney stones, sure, but bladder stones are very, very, very common. Um, some are caused from that pH change that we talked about. Some are caused from chronic infections. Um, and really, the only way that we can know for sure is to do ultrasound or x-rays. Some stones are not even visible on our modes of imaging, but most of them we can take an x-ray and most of them are surgical. So if your cat um, or your male cat has bladder stones and they start to act painful and their blood in the urine and they can't go to the bathroom, that can be an emergency very quickly and they can start to develop kidney damage and kidney disease within 12 to 24 hours of having urinary issues. So so it's best to always just come in if you see anything abnormal and we can get them on treatment quickly. Awesome. So this is all to say that, you know, any UTI needs to be looked at by a doctor, but we're talking about primarily how emergent is it? How, how necessary is it for you to get to the vet right away? Uh, so thank you very much, Dr. Washington, for coming to talk to us. Absolutely. And now we say goodbye to you, friends, forever on my half. 
But big thanks again to Bob Bryant for being on the show today. To find out more about Mission Canine Rescue, just go to mission, the letter K, the number nine, rescue.org. As for us, we're a nonprofit dedicated to keeping pets and people together, and you can help. Just go to prckc.org and you can donate, volunteer, shop our online store, and more. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, please rate us and leave us a review. That always helps new people find us, and it will make me feel a lot better about leaving PRC forever. (laughs) Um, For all the latest info, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at PRR Podcast on both platforms. So tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as A.A. Milne wrote, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. Good luck, Sierra.